Hello, I'm Ray. Welcome to another podcast episode. This one called When I Was a Boy. Now, if you listened to last Wednesday's midweek message, I was trying to decide what to call it. And I ended up with When I Was a Boy. Now, <laughs> I've had a few comments from that, uh, that message. Tina said, are you allowed to say that? Boy, girl, are you allowed to say that these days when I was a boy? Should it be when I was a child? You're probably right, Tina. I'll get into trouble now for calling myself a boy. <laughs> Happy days. No, seriously, this is a podcast episode where I'm going to talk about decimalization, which was Graham's idea, uh, Ian and, <laughs> and his funeral's idea, Ray and the grass is always greener, uh, drugs, sex and rock and roll which was Karen's idea. Big shout out to you, Karen. <laughs> I think we'll leave sex, drugs and rock and roll till last. Decimalisation is a good one. 15th of February, 1971. What a brilliant memory I've got. I remember that day as if it were yesterday. Actually, I just looked it up. But I do remember that day. I didn't realise it was February. It must have been cold. I remember going in. The first thing I did on the decimalisation day was going to a sweet shop. I was at work. I worked, I believe I worked in Hove. Hove, actually. Look it up on the map. In a, a radio and TV workshop over there. And people were all talking about decimalisation. And I went over to the sweet shop to buy myself a, a Mars bar. Because in those days I didn't have to worry about my weight, unlike now. Anyway, I went into the sweet shop, bought the Mars bar in the new money... And the chap, I forget what it was, but the chap said how much it was. And I walk it out of the shop, munching my Mars bar, thinking, hang on a minute. I was trying to work it out. I thought, hang on a minute. Hang on. If they were like six old pence yesterday, how come they're whatever now? It had gone up. And I got back to the workshop and I told the lads, I said, yesterday it was that much and now it's this much. And one of them said, hang on, he was good at all this business. And he worked it out. He said, you're right. He said, it's gone up, I, I know, two pence or something, tuppence or whatever. It had definitely gone up, you know, not by a, a, a minuscule amount. They'd rounded it up to the next so-called new pence figure. And then someone else went to the sweet shop and bought some fags. Are you allowed to say fags? Oh, dear. cigarettes. Sorry if I've offended anyone. Bought some cigarettes. And he came back and he said, I've worked this out as well. They've gone up. Everything... Well, not everything, because we didn't buy everything in the sweet job, obviously. But all this, a lot of the stuff had gone up. They'd rounded it up. I suppose what the shopkeeper did, he'd look up, say, I don't know, sixpence, six old pence, you know, sixpence in the old money. And he'd look up the equivalent. Say, I, I can't work it out, but say it said uh, seven new pence. He'd round seven point something new pence. He'd round it up to eight. And it was a rip-off. Yeah, you're right, Graham. It was a, a total rip-off. I remember it well. I remember everything seemed to have gone up in price. And it was talked about on the news, of course, on the radio, the TV. Talk of the town, I suppose, back in those heady days. 1971. That's when Jimi Hendrix passed away, isn't it? I remember that on the news. Uh, hang on, no, hang on. Was it 71? Yes, it was, wasn't it? I'll have to look that up now. Goodness me. Stone the crows. No, I got that wrong. Jimi Hendrix passed away in 1970. Why I was a bit confused there, I remember being at the Hove uh, radio and TV workshop when decimalisation came out. But when Jimi Hendrix passed away, I was in uh, the local one here in Worthing. 
I was in the workshop there because we heard it on the radio and we're all sort of, oh no, can't believe it. That's why I thought, hang on, it can't be 71. Uh, I wasn't at, uh, I wasn't at Hove when Jimmy passed away. Great loss. A lady contacted me the other day. She said, hello, I'm an author. <laughs> in her email, I'm an author. I thought, oh, that's good. She said, I'm doing some research. Uh, she's writing a book about how American, mu she's American, how American music influenced uh, British uh, you know, groups and singers and musicians over here in the UK. And she said, I've seen your YouTube videos about the 60s. I've listened to your podcast. So how did we listen in the UK to American music? Well, the thing is, uh, Radio Caroline and Radio, well, certainly Radio London were based, I believe, on American radio stations. You know, the whole style, the whole thing of the presentation, everything was based on American radio stations, as far as I remember. Now, I don't know whether they played any American music. I suppose they must have done. Also, our our groups, our bands, like the Beatles and other people, they toured America. And, of course, American groups toured the UK. So I suppose that's how it was. But anyway, I, I helped her out as best I could. Uh, maybe I'll get a free book when it's published. You never know. I'm just looking at a decimal currency conversion table here. Now, Mars bars, I remember they're about sixpence. That, that's six old pence. Now here it says the equivalent is two and a half new pence. Now what they did was round it up to three pence. So it was six old pence, it's now three new pence. And if you look at three new pence, it's actually seven old pence. So it went up a penny in old money, it went up a penny. And they did this a lot. Let's take another one here. Something, for example, that was one and fourpence is now six and a half pence. So they'd round it up to seven, which is one and fivepence. So, you know, it, it really is a rip-off. Let's go to something a bit more expensive. Uh, where's 50? Yeah, well, 15 and six in old money. Who remembers that? 15 and six. Good grief. That's 77 and a half new pence. Well, they round up to 78, so it's 15 and 7. Yeah, it, it basically, it is or was a rip-off. Everything went up. I suppose they did away, the shopkeepers thought, I'm not messing about with halves. Actually, thinking back, half pennies were done away with eventually anyway, because they're a waste of time. No one used them. The shopkeepers just rounded everything up to the next penny. Now, you might think, well, a penny isn't much, but if everything in the shop goes up by a penny, literally overnight that's going to start adding up, isn't it? Imagine doing your weekly shop. If everyone's rounding everything up from a half to the next penny, you know, a penny on every item that you buy in the shop. Yeah, a total rip-off. There we are. Having said all that, I'm glad we went over to decimalisation because I could never work out pounds, shillings and pence. I remember at school, the teacher called me an idiot. <laughs> Do that these days, he'd be taken to court. But uh, no, he called me an idiot because I couldn't, what was it? I couldn't do long division or something on pounds, shillings and pence. Well, no one can do that. Oh, he could do it, but he was the idiot. Oh, he must have been mental. Of course, how could you do long division on pounds, shillings and pence when you've got, what is it? 20 shillings to the pound, 12 shillings, no, 12 pennies to the shilling. I mean, there was no rhyme nor reason to the whole thing. So when we went over to decimal, Everything is 10, you know, it's easy to do, isn't it? I remember on the radio and on the TV, 
people were saying, don't try and work out old money to new money. Or don't try and do conversions. Just forget the old money and stick with the new. Well, the reason, obviously, they were telling you that is because they knew that if you did work it out, you'd realise that you were being conned. You, you'd been ripped off. But people did, of course. People carried on for, well, for years after you know, trying to work it out. Oh, how much is that now? So what was that in old money? In fact, that's become a bit of an expression these days. If someone says, oh, it's your one, 1. 1.5 metres, they'll say, well, what was that in old money? They don't mean old money, do they? They mean in old measurements, yards, feet, inches, uh, which, of course, in America, you've still got, haven't you? Yards, feet, inches, miles. You don't do... And gallons, uh, imperial... Is it imperial gallons or whatever? Or do we have imperial gallons? I've no idea. Of course, in the old days, it was easy with gallons. You know, my car does 30 miles to the gallon. Oh, that's easy to work out. What does it do now? I can't... You know, oh, my car does so many miles to the litre, is it? Or I don't know. Oh, it's all gone wrong. I remember when they were trying to get everyone to go over to litres and metres and all this business, they said to the pubs, you're going to have to sell beer by the litre. You can't do it by the pint anymore. Well, we've had pints of beer in the UK, you know, since, what, 68,000 BC, pint of beer. You know, we're not going to say, oh, I want a litre, or what's the equivalent? You know, <laughs> you can't do that. Anyway, we won. The pubs won or whoever, the breweries won because we still sell beer in pints. So that's a result for us beer drinking Brits. Excellent. Going back to the money for a minute, we used to have what was called a guinea. In fact, I think we still have guineas. Uh, a guinea was one pound, one shilling. And I think we've still got guineas. So what would a guinea be now? One pound something, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so guineas. So imagine that. I remember seeing... Uh, when I worked in the TV trade, in the showroom, in the shop, I remember seeing a TV for sale, something like 17 guineas. And you'd have to think, hang on a minute, 17 guineas. So that's 17 shillings. Work out how many pounds and shillings it actually is. Where guineas came from, I don't know. But don't they still have guineas in horse racing? Someone will correct me on that or, or say I'm right on that, no doubt. Guineas, yeah, I'm sure they still use guineas somewhere. But I'm not too sure what they relate to. If you could enlighten me, raise rants at protonmail.com. Be great to hear from you and uh, find out what guineas are all about. I don't know why I left the TV and radio shop where I worked, you know, in my hometown and went over to Hove to work there because it's a fair old distance. I think it was Boundary Road, Hove. I forget, was it? I forget the name of the company. Now they've long since got Lloyd's. I, you know, I think it was Lloyd's T. It was Lloyd's TV. But they've long since gone. Well, as most of them have. That must have been the 70s, early 70s, I think. I didn't know Hove at all. I didn't know anyone over there. I had all my, my mates back here in the TV workshop. So I've no idea why I left. I remember the boss saying to me, what do you want to go and do that for? You know, Hove's miles away. And uh, I think it, it was more money. I suppose that was it. A little bit more money. But thinking back working out the travelling, all the rest of it. You know, it, it, it wasn't more money in the end. I don't know how long I stayed there. Not that long, only a year or two. I didn't like it. I, I'm not saying I didn't like the people that I worked with. They were great. Uh, though that that reminds me. Uh, do you remember the, uh, the Laurel and Hardy where they whistle? Is it... Um, 
remember that that sort of Laurel and Hardy tune. Whenever one, <laughs> whenever one of the girls from the shop or the office walked through the workshop, it was quite a long workshop. All the lads would whistle that as they're walking past. Now, was that politically correct? I don't know, but it was great fun. And the girls loved it. You know, they'd grin and they'd chuckle and giggle. It was all good fun. Family and friends recently have been having a bit of a debate about this wolf whistling. A girl walks past a building site or a group of lads and they get the wolf whistles. <whistles> all this sort of business and shouting, going, all right, darling, and stuff. <laughs> and we've been sort of thinking back to those days. I mean, I was guilty of wolf whistling in those days and calling out comments to girls, teenage girls, when I was a teenager. And as far as I was aware, just about 98% of the girls liked that. Uh, but the debate we've been having recently, one or two women have said, oh, no, I didn't like that. You know, looking back, I didn't like that. I felt intimidated. I didn't like it. So it wasn't everyone, obviously, that liked that. But uh, it <laughs> it was good fun, I think, for the majority of people. Because now I, I think it's an arrestable offence, isn't it? If you, I better not whistle out of the window if I see a girl walking past. <laughs> uh, uh, what I've never done and I've never liked is calling a girl or a woman love. You know, all right, love. You go into a shop. Uh, what would you like? Oh, I'll have uh, a Mars bar, please, love. I, I don't like this love business because it's nothing to do with it. And as I've heard women say to people, I'm not your love. <laughs> but how times have changed. You remember last, uh, in the midweek message, I said about an episode all about political correctness and... Uh, people being offended by the slightest thing. I'm still pondering on that idea. I'm still thinking, should I do that? Or will I have a couple of big coppers turn up on the doorstep? Evening all. I hear you've been talking into your microphone and offending people. Well, I tried not to. Oh, you're under arrest. <laughs> I don't know how things have changed. I know I'm always saying this, but how things have changed since uh, when I was a boy, when I was a girl... <laughs> No, don't go into that. Right, let's move on to funerals. Hello, Ian. Ian did say this was a grim subject. Do you know, I've been trying to think the first funeral, when it was that I ever went to, the first funeral, it certainly wasn't in my teens or as a child, not my 20s or 30s. I've got an idea. I was in my 40s when I went to my first funeral. I think a lot of it was my mother had me when she was very young. She was 17 when I was born. So her brothers and sisters and her, her relations, you know, they weren't old. My aunties weren't old. Her sisters were all about, I don't know, 20 years old, something like that. So as I grew up, they weren't old aunts. They were all quite young. I suppose that's why I didn't go to any funerals. I just didn't know anyone that had passed away. But of course, the older I've become, the more funerals I've attended which is obvious, I suppose, isn't it? You know, I've lost a lot of friends. Another one, in fact, only last month he he passed away, which is a shame. A couple last year, I think, was it two or three last year? So as I'm now into my 70s, obviously all my friends are older and we're all popping off one by one. Actually, I do remember people passing away when I was a child in our street, perhaps someone down the road, no one that I knew, but I do remember the funeral cars turning up and people all dressed in black and people would draw the curtains 
I remember that curtains being drawn uh, just as a sign of respect or what I don't know. I do remember years later when I had a, a bed sit. Yeah, I left home as you do it, kind of 16, 17, got a bed sit. And I drew the curtains one evening because the sunlight was coming directly in onto my old black and white telly. And uh, the landlord <laughs> the landlord had come round for something or other. And he tapped on my door and he said, is everything all right? I said, yeah, fine, thanks, why? He said, well, I thought someone had died. I'm thinking, what is he? has he gone off his rocker? What's he talking about? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, your curtains are drawn. And I said, well, no one's died. I said, the light's on the telly, the sunlight. I've drawn the curtains. He said, well, if I were you, I'd open them. And he was a bit, he was quite old, but he was a bit funny about it. You don't have the curtains drawn in the, in the daytime. It's a, a sign that someone's passed away. And I thought, crikey. <laughs> anyway, I opened the curtains, turned the telly off and went down the pub. I remember that because I was telling people down the pub. Sex, drugs and rock and roll. The thing is, in the 1960s, I had nothing to compare the 60s to. You know, I in the 50s, had I been a teenager in the 50s, I could then look back and think, well, things are very different now. We've got this, we've got that. But of course, I can't compare the 50s, uh, sorry, the 60s to anything. I was a child in the 50s. Sex, drugs and rock and roll. Drugs. I None of our lot did drugs. There was the odd cannabis cigarette around. But that was about it. I don't remember anyone taking or offering me any other drugs apart from the odd, sort of, as I say, the, the marijuana. There was nothing else that... Uh, of course, I didn't live up in London. Had I been around the centre of London... Well, things might have shocked me. <laughs> I doubt it very much. But things would have obviously been very different up there in London. Down here on the coast, sleepy coastal town, nothing much happened. Well, it wasn't that sleepy, to be honest. There were quite a few nightclubs around. Uh, rock and roll, we had live bands. I did like the live bands that went round the clubs in the 60s because they didn't have all the electronic equipment that they have these days the live band there's the bass man with his guitar and amp there's the the lead singer uh, lead guitarist his amp and his guitar perhaps a wah-wah pedal and a fuzz box pedal that's about it drummer possibly rhythm guitarist with his guitar and amp and that was it I mean these days it takes them what an hour hour and a half just to set up They've got all the electronic equipment. They've got leads everywhere and goodness knows what. And to be honest, from what I remember, the music sounded better. Live music sounded better in the 60s. They had Marshall amps. You know, the old 100 watt Marshall amps, big speakers. Fantastic. You don't need all that other stuff. OK, sex, drugs and rock and roll. That just leaves sex. Well, again, I've nothing to compare it with. I was a, a teenager in the 60s. There were loads of girls around. Yes, people had sex, but I don't know that it was any different from the 50s, 40s, 30s. Well, it must have been, I suppose. It must have been. I suppose in the 60s, how can I describe it? Perhaps people were a little bit more loose than before. Uh, not, not immoral. I'm not saying that we were all immoral, but things possibly weren't frowned upon so much as they had been in previous decades. Dare I say that the majority of girls, no, but not say that, some girls, girls wore miniskirts, okay, very revealing miniskirts, and they looked attractive, they looked sensual, sexual, they looked, that's what they did, they looked that way. 
deliberately. I mean, they knew what they looked like. Um, and the boys, well, we, <laughs> a lot of the boys, honestly, uh, they looked like girls. I remember brushing my hair before I went out. Oh, do you know, uh, you'll laugh. I remember in the mirror back combing my long hair. I had very long hair, back combing the top of it. Do you remember some of the groups then? Was it Herman's Hermit, the pretty things? I mean, they were pretty things. <laughs> the, the boys were pretty. Oh, dear me. Happy days. But everyone went out knowing or, or trying at least to look good. A lot of the girls knew they looked good. A lot of the boys knew they looked good. Uh, I was never quite sure when I looked in the mirror. I used to think, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'll sort of blend in. It's the 60s. Do what you like. But sex, yes, you know, we'd, we'd meet girls, obviously, and things would happen. A lot of the lads had cars. So, you, you know, you pick up a girl from a club or wherever in the back of your car after the club. So, yes, it happened. But I don't know that it was any more or any less than the 50s. It probably wasn't talked about in the 50s so much. As you go into the 60s, more and more people had telephones, whereas they didn't in the 50s and 40s. More and more people had television. So you've got things like Top of the Pops, uh, Jukebox Jury. You know, things were coming alive. Things were, well, there was communication going on. You could get a girl's phone number. You could ring her up and arrange to meet her or whatever. I think it was, a lot of it must have been communication. Going out in the 50s, Again, it wasn't going to nightclubs as such. It was coffee bars. Do you remember milk bars? I don't. Well, I remember them being around, but I didn't go to them. Milk bar, where you go there and have milk. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, youngsters of today, you're 18 year, years old. Where are you going tonight? Well, I'm going down the milk bar. I can have a milkshake. I'm really going to live it up because I'm cool. <laughs> in our day, as I say, we didn't do the drugs, but we did the drink. Good grief. I was in a club once. It's awful. I was in a club once. And for the first time, I thought I'd try rum and coke. Now, I'd never had it before. I didn't want pints because I think we were driving over to Brighton. So we stopped at this club and I thought, you know, I don't want a load to drink. So I had this rum and coke and they turned on the ultraviolet lighting. And there was one right where we were sitting, ultraviolet light. And I looked up at it after I'd had this rum and coke and, oh, Anyway, uh, we had to leave the club fairly quickly because uh, my stomach didn't want the rum and coke anymore. But that's the only time that ever happened to me. And I didn't ever have rum and coke again, stuck to, uh, well, in those days, what in his red barrel? Do you remember that? Di uh, double diamond, pint of DD, please. <laughs> they were good days. It's, it's great fun looking back, isn't it? As I've said previously, for the youngsters listening... You don't know about all this. It's all new to you. And you must be thinking, good grief. <laughs> For the older ones listening, you're thinking, oh, I remember that. Oh, yeah, double diamond. I remember that. We used to go, a group of us, what we called out on the pool. Well, you know what that means, out on the pool looking for girls. I mean, that was great fun. The girls were the same. You know, they were out on the pool as well. <laughs> Sometimes the girls were known as wallflowers. You go to a, a club or a dance or something where they're all dancing and you get a, a whole row of girls all standing along the wall and they were wallflowers. That's why they were called wallflowers. <laughs> they looked like wallflowers. And what you'd do, you'd eye them all up and you'd think, oh, that one's right. And you'd go over and say, yeah, would you like to dance? And she'd say, no, clear off. <laughs> so you go on to the next one. And the other thing they used to do was they'd all group together. You'd get perhaps six girls all together in a group so you couldn't go and ask one, you know, they were in a group. And when they danced, 
they put all their handbags on the floor, or six handbags, and they would dance around their handbags because there's nowhere else to put them. I remember that happening a lot. So again, you couldn't go and ask one to die. I don't know, it was, uh, how did we go on the pool? Yeah, I think what it was, eye contact. I think that's uh, that was the way it was done, eye contact. You know, you're leaning on the bar, trying to focus after a, a few too many beers. No, that's not true. Well, not always. And you see a girl, try and get eye contact with her. If you get a bit of a smile, then you know that you're in with a chance. If she turned her head and looked away, forget it. So there, there was all this kind of uh, physical stuff, physical messages going on. Eye contact and a little smile, or perhaps from the, from the lad, perhaps a, a wink or a, a whatever. And all this sort of messaging going on. It's quite interesting, actually, the psychology of it all. Of course, today it would be called body language, wouldn't it? The way the girl was sitting, the way she perhaps crossed her legs and the way the, the lad was looking at her and moving around. I don't know. Interesting stuff. I, I did actually pride myself on being quite good at the, the eye contact business, body language. I went to a party once. There's someone that listens to these uh, podcasts of mine who will remember this. I won't mention any names. And <laughs> There were a few girls there and us lads and some girl was on the sofa. I remember her name, but I'm not going to mention it. And she said, it was dark. She said, oi, who's got three hands? <laughs> it was great fun. People drinking and, and smoking, of course. Most people smoked. Who's got three hands? Uh, she was on the sofa with a, she thought with one lad. I think she must have been with two, maybe three lads. I don't know. In the 50s and certainly into the 60s, teenage pregnancy you know, unmarried type pregnancy really was frowned upon. It was still a, a taboo. If a girl got pregnant, then she, oh, dreadful. What an awful girl, dreadful way to carry on. Which was a shame because uh, I mean, it wasn't always the girl's fault. <laughs> but it really was bad. There was this stigma with it. You know, you hear someone's pregnant, really, good grief, you know, stone the crow. We didn't go around saying good grief and stone the crows. You know, we didn't do that. I remember one of the popular phrases, if you ask someone a question, they'd say, wind your neck in. Now that's still used today, wind your neck in. In other words, mind your own business. Now we didn't go around saying stone the crows all the time. I don't know why I keep saying that. The older people did. The older adults, you know, people in their 50s, 60s, they used to go around saying uh, stone the crows and things like that. I'll go to the foot of our stairs. I never have discovered what that means. Why would anyone go to the foot of their stairs? What, what do you do when you get there? I don't know. But no, pregnancy, you know, outside of marriage, really was frowned upon. So people had to be careful. Of course, it still happened. I remember a friend of mine, his sister, I went around there one evening to see him. You know, this was to do with pirate radio. We were setting up a pirate radio station. And there's these nappies hanging around the place. You know, the old Terry nappies. Remember those? And uh, I said, oh, what's all this? Because we were, what, 18, 19? And I thought, surely his mum hasn't had a, a baby. <laughs> his mum was getting on a bit. He said, oh, it's my sister. Now, what was it he said? She's been tubbed. <laughs> Can you imagine saying that? They used to, She's been tubbed. And initially, it took me a split second or two, you know, just a tub, tub. Oh, oh, right, right. It wasn't a tub of ice cream. Yes, I'm with you. And it, I thought then, that, wow, you know, she's... Uh, She's pregnant. Good grief. Someone asked me recently, uh, we were talking about the 60s, did uh, 
the lads have more respect for girls back then? That's a difficult one to answer, isn't it? I, I've always had respect for girls. I remember a girl saying no, and that was it. She said no, she meant no, end of, that's it, finished. Whereas other people wouldn't take no for an answer. Did they have more respect? I think possibly that people did. Yeah, I think people did have more respect for girls back then. It's a difficult one to answer because, you know, in what context, in what way, I don't know. At work, of course, they were paid far less than the lads. I remember the girls in our office. Yeah, we were apprentice TV engineers. They, well, one, I know one, she told me what she was earning and it was less than us apprentices. So they, I, I think there was the attitude, well, you, know, you, only, you get that money because you're only a girl. So there was all that. Mind you, that still goes on today, doesn't it? They're trying to get the sort of equal equal pay and things, equality. But certainly back then, I mean, after the war, you know, when during the war, all the all the girls went into the factories. They worked the machinery, the lathes, the milling machines. They did all that. The wireless factories, you know, making radios and stuff like that, wartime stuff. When the war was over and the lads, well, the few of them that came home, they got their jobs back. The girls were sacked. Oh, you're chucked out. And then the lads got twice the money that the girls had been on doing a perfectly good job. Yeah, they'd done a good job throughout the war and they just got the sack and that's it. Right, you can go home. You can be you can be a housewife and a cook and a mother and a wife again and all that stuff, which I, I know a lot of them from what I've heard, you know, talking to people, a lot of them you know, very resentful about that because they got used to working. They got used to earning money. They had an identity and suddenly, right, that's it. We've we've used you. You can clear off back home now and go and bake some cakes or whatever women do. It's no wonder they were resentful and very unhappy with it all. I think I would have been in that situation. Of course, you see a lot of these TV programmes. I was watching one the other day. Same old thing. Was it Foil's War? I can't remember what I was watching now. Where the chap comes back, he's been abroad, he's been in the war, he comes back home and... I don't know, he sees a, a chap leaving his house. So he says to his wife, you know, he goes in, oh, she says, oh, you're back, welcome home. And he says, who was that? Oh, that's Fred from down the road. He was changing a fuse for me. You know, he's been doing the odd jobs around while you've been away. And of course, oh yeah, what else has he been doing for you? All this sort of thing. Was that the case? Did a lot of the people coming back from war, did they think that about their wives? Oh, you know, they've been unfaithful. What have you been up to while I've been away? Because just about every programme I've watched which is probably only two or three, <laughs> you know, where a chap's come back from the war, he's suspicious of his wife and he starts accusing her of this and that. I don't know, because we were talking about this, my wife and I, the other day, after we'd watched something, and we, we were saying, did that happen? Were these chaps... I suppose the thing is, when you come back from war, you don't know what they've seen, what they've been through, and their minds must be a bit... I don't know, what's the word? I don't know. But uh, yeah, perhaps that, that was part of it. Dreadful time, there we are. Still, we learn from history, don't we? Yeah, right. How many wars are going on as I speak? Why don't we learn from history? Let's go back to sex, drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> as I said at the beginning, when I was a boy, things were so, so very different. Very different. Every single aspect of life was completely different. Can you imagine... Imagine the youngsters today, they get married, say in their 20s, the chap goes out to work, the girl, the young lady, she's say 23, 25, she's just got married, she stays at home and she does cooking and cleaning 
and washing and dusting and and gardening and painting and decorating. This is what wives used to do. In, I remember housewives. They were called housewives. I'm only the messenger. Don't arrest me for saying that. They were housewives. They didn't go out to work. They certainly didn't have money of their own. How different it was then. I'd get in from school, as all my school friends did. Well, most of them. Mum was there. Glass of orange juice. Jam sandwich. Or whatever. You know, something to eat. Dinner will be at six when Dad gets in. The meal will be ready. That was the, the woman's role. How different things are now. I don't know. Is it? I'm always asking myself, is it better now? Was it better then? Women, at least now, can be individuals. I think that was very unfair because they weren't individuals. They were, well, they were owned by their husbands, weren't they? Really? You know, he owned the house. The house was his. If the, if the wife, the woman didn't like it, well, get out. You're not getting anything. It's my house. Just leave. Go back to your mum and take the kids with you. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny. That's how it was back then. I don't know why I'm laughing. It was awful. So in just, in just what, 60 years, 50, 60 years, things have changed so much. At school, at the school I went to, I failed my 11 plus. Well, I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't want to pass the 11 plus anyway. I wasn't interested. But at school, the school I went to, which was a, a secondary modern school, the idea of school was churning out factory workers. Not that I became one. Neither did a lot of my friends. But that's what the school was all about. The wood workshop, the metal workshop, lathes, milling machines, all the machinery, gas welding and all this sort of thing. And in the wood workshop, the wood lathes, turning lathes, they were churning out factory workers. And at the girls' school down the road, they had domestic science. They were learning to cook, to sew, to darn, to keep house. And they were churning out future housewives, would-be housewives. That's the way it was then. Can you imagine schools doing that now? There'd be a riot. Someone put online, I think it was, was it Facebook or I can't remember where, the other day, uh, a few pages from a, a book, a 1950s book, and it was uh, written for women, how to look after your husband and the house and the children. When the husband's due back from work, say six o'clock in the evening, make sure the house is tidy, have his meal ready, warm and ready to put straight on the table when he sits down, have a drink ready for him if he likes scotch or something like that, have a glass of that ready on the table for him. If he's late, don't ask where he's been, none of your business. If he's late and not in a very good mood, don't ask about it, dress nicely. Oh, make sure the kids are out of the way and not making a noise. Chuck them upstairs or in their room somewhere when he gets home. Last thing he wants is a load of shouting kids. All this stuff in this article, and it wasn't a joke thing. It was true. I had a book decades ago. I had a book, uh, probably written in the 40s, all about the same sort of thing. You know, when your husband gets home, how to look after him. For example, if at eight o'clock in the evening he says, right, I'm popping out for a while, don't ask him where or why. You just say, it was certainly dear. Get his hat and coat for him. Help him put the coat on. Off he goes. You don't ask him where he's going. I mean, can you? <laughs> it, it's so funny looking back to the 40s and 50s, to the way it was then. It was absolutely incredible. There was one part of the book. Uh, how can I put it? If young lads get a bit... Um, 
uh, I can't tell you what the book said, but you know, a little bit frisky, a little bit hormonal or something, uh, send them down the garden to chop some wood. <laughs> That'll get rid of any uh, desires they might have. Good grief. Uh, things, I don't know, when I was a boy, I think it's a very apt title actually for this episode. I think I've mentioned before about when I was 12, 13, uh, I wore shorts or jeans, you know, but uh, if I was going to school, it was shorts. The girls wore frocks, uh, sandals, Mary Jane type shoes and white ankle socks, frocks. And they played with dolls at a doll pram. And this is when they were 12 or say 13 years old. Can you imagine girls of these days, 12 or 13, you're walking around the, the, the back garden with a doll in a pram, rocking the pram, pretending it's a real baby. And, oh, dear me. These days, no, I won't say that, but um, I do think that's a shame. I think it's a shame the way girls grow up or develop or mature or whatever so quickly. 12-year-old girls back in the 50s and 60s were, were young children. These days, they seem to be young or not even so young women. I think their childhood is cut short. They they just miss out on so much childhood. But anyway, there we are. I'm just some old bloke now going on about the old days. When I was a boy, things were better then. Now I can say that to the youngsters because I was there, you weren't. <laughs> What's that ridiculous saying that I never really did understand? If you remember the 60s, then you weren't there. Well, <laughs> I do remember the 60s and I was there. I suppose they're saying if you remember it, then you weren't. I don't know, high enough on drugs or whatever. I don't know. As I said, yeah, we didn't do drugs. You can have brilliant fun, as we did in the 60s. You can have brilliant fun without drugs. Well, I suppose alcohol is a drug, isn't it? Well, I don't suppose it is. It's a drug. And so is nicotine. So they were the only two drugs we, we had, really. We had a load of fun. We didn't need things like LSD and all that stuff. Used to hear stories about it, of course, but... Uh, yeah, I didn't want to permanently damage my brain with something like that. You know, why do that when you can have some great fun with some, a few girls, take uh, some beer cans up the downs and some fags <laughs> and have some fun. Sex, drugs and rock and roll. Oh yeah, and a transistor radio, of course. Listen to the pirate stations. Sex, drugs and rock and roll on the downs. <laughs> I do miss those happy days. I wonder, will people in, say, 50 or 60 years' time from now look back at these times now and say, oh, happy days, those were the days, oh, the 20s, the 2020s, absolutely brilliant. I suppose whichever decade, not that you grew up in, but say teenage years, whatever decade were your teenage years, I suppose you look back at that, don't you? Because that's when you left school, teenage early 20s, you meet someone, you get married or whatever, you go clubbing and all this stuff. So I suppose that was your era, that was your decade. I know people that were born in the 70s, people a bit younger than me, and that's what they talk about. Oh, the 70s, do you remember this? Do you remember that? They don't remember the 60s because they were five, six years old. They don't remember much of the 60s. But I do wonder, though, what people will say 50 or 60 years from now, what they'll say about the good old days. Do you remember the 2020s? Of course, COVID, that'll go down in history. Do you remember COVID? Oh, COVID, yeah, oh, good grief. We couldn't go out, we couldn't go clubbing. I suppose all that sort of thing will be remembered, won't it? We've got the grandchildren coming to stay this weekend and I know what they'll do. It's always the same. 
Grandad, Grandad, tell us about the good old days. They love hearing about it because they're getting older now. But even now, as they're older, they don't believe some of the things I tell them. I think I mentioned before saying that uh, the art teacher in class at school, transistor radio on his desk, listening to the pirate stations, and he was smoking a cigarette. You know, I tell them that and they look, no, no, they shake their heads negatively. No, that didn't happen, Grandad, you're lying. No, I'm not lying, it happened. He used to sit at the front of the class smoking a cigarette and listening to the radio. <laughs> and they don't believe it. A lot of the stuff I've told them about the 60s, the good old days, what it was like at school for me, they just, no, no, that you're making that up, Grandad. <laughs> I got the cane at school. What? What, you, but someone hit you with a stick? Yes. No, they didn't. They're not allowed to. <laughs> they might not be now, but they certainly were then. And of course, before my time, there was the birch. Bring back the birch. Do you remember people saying that? Stone the crows. I must keep saying stone the crows. Talking of crows, they could do with stoning. We've got a couple, or are they rooks? I don't know. What's the difference between crows and rooks? We've got a couple that have decided that our garden is their feeding place. So all the little birds, we put out the bread and the, you know, the suet slabs and stuff like that. These huge rook things come down pig the whole lot, the little birds are frightened of them. Anyway, I built a cage out of plastic netting, you know, that quite, quite wide space plastic netting, and the rooks have been going mad. They've been hopping around it, on top of it, they're looking underneath it, and the magpies this morning, they, you know how they squawk? They were out there, a couple of them, squawking and screaming and shouting. Oh, good grief, I wonder what on earth was going on. We both leapt out of bed and had a look, and there they are, going mental, these magpies. I've just been watching the TV while I had a coffee break. I know I've done a thing all about adverts before, but good grief. A vacuum cleaner advert. Direct floor engagement. Right, it's a vacuum cleaner with a revolving brush that you sweep you know, the carpet with and, and the, the wooden floor. And it says it's got direct floor engagement. Well, what on earth does that mean? I mean, who thought that up? It must be mental. Of course, the rolling brush touches the floor. It's got to touch the floor. It's got to engage with the floor directly, hasn't it? I mean, they make out it's some new feature. Where do they think the brush is going to be? Up in the air? And flexology. Have you ever heard... <laughs> have you ever heard such a word? Flexology. Basically, the handle bends in the middle. There's a hinge in the middle. So you can push the vacuum cleaner under the, the sofa or the bed. That's not flexology, there's no such word. I must look it up. Perhaps there is, perhaps I'm wrong. I'm just looking up flexology for easier cleaning. Oh, the flexible wand. Well, I thought it was a handle. Vacuum cleaners have a handle, don't they? They're not a wand. You don't have to move furniture, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and a unique duo clean floor head. Duo clean. This gets better, doesn't it? Flexology also releases tension and stiffness and prevents potential injuries. Oh, I see, that's flexing your body. Nothing to do with vacuum cleaners. I think someone's made up this word. There's reflexology, but now there's flexology. I don't know, it's all confusing, isn't it? Someone obviously sits behind a desk at some advertising agency and dreams up these slogans. That would be a good job, wouldn't it? Just sit there dreaming up daft slogans. I could, what could I do? Uh, washing machine, direct clothes soakology. How about that? Our new model has direct clothes soakology ability facility. 
In other words, the clothes get wet. <laughs> I think in future, when I'm watching telly, I'll have a notepad and pen so I can jot down these daft things because there are so many more. I've only thought of a couple. But I do hate adverts. Honestly, I've said before, why do they shout? Whenever the adverts come on, why do they have to shout all the time? It's bad for people. It's bad for the soul. Well, we haven't had the dustman turn up this week, but someone's now digging up the road. Listen to that. Some kind of compressor or something they'll be drilling next. Goodness me. No peace for the wicked. I've just looked out of the window. It's not. They're not digging up the road. It's a, a big van and it says on it, blocked drains cleared fast. They probably use drain unblockology techniques. <laughs> they should write that on their van. I could make that up as a, I could go and sell it to them, couldn't I? I'll give the company a ring and look, I'm an advertising agency. Would you like to buy a slogan you put on your vans? <laughs> £10,000 and I'm losing money. Another advert that comes to mind, I forget what it was, what the drink was. Drinkability. Was it Budweiser? I can't remember. Drinkability. There's no such word. Do you know, I've discovered there's a face cream. I don't know what make of face cream, but they reckon it contains micro-sculpting serum. I mean, what is micro-sculpting serum? Good grief, I wouldn't want to put that on my face, would you? I don't know, these adverts, it's funny, isn't it? I've been having a look online at various things. Quite interesting, the, the way they invent words that don't mean anything. What was that other one? Chrysler, I think, invented the word Corinthium leather for their seats in their Chrysler cars. I think that's what I read. I can't remember now. Bit of a boring subject, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but Corinthian leather. There's no such thing, according to the, the website I was looking at. One last thing on that. Colgate toothpaste. They own, allegedly, apparently, they own the trademark, the Tooth Fairy. I mean, we all talk about the Tooth Fairy to kids, don't we? Well, apparently Colgate own that as a trademark. There we are. I'm beginning to waffle. So I'm going to end the episode here. Where are we? Just about 46, 47 minutes. I've just got back from the doctor. I had to go around for a blood test. Just a routine thing. And as I followed the nurse up the corridor into her little surgery room, she said to another nurse, uh, Hello, lovely. And as we got into the surgery, I said, oh, I thought you were talking to me. And she said, oh, let's start again. Hello, gorgeous. <laughs> she looked at me. So I said, hello, beautiful. <laughs> oh, dear. She was beautiful, actually. But that's another issue. While she was taking my blood. Anyway, let's move on. Um, email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. Raiserants at protonmail.com. Where are we? What day it is? It's Friday. You'll be listening to this on Sunday. I keep on about the weather, don't I? Where are all the thunderstorms? There was a Met Office chap on the telly this morning and the interviewer chap said to him, look, we keep hearing about another heat wave coming halfway through August, massive heat wave to hit the UK. Is all this true? And he said, well, I've seen all this in the newspapers. And he said, according to my charts and my predictions and the rest of it at the Met Office, I can't see any heat wave at all. So he said, I don't know where the newspapers are getting it from. Well, I do. They make it up, don't they? I remember a few years ago, it's going to be a sweltering barbecue summer. And it was awful. One of the worst summers ever. And another year, going to be a total washout British summer this year. And it was a heat wave summer. So what I do now, if I look at the weather forecast tomorrow and it says rain, I always go for the opposite. Oh, it'll be sunny tomorrow. If it says sun, well, it'll probably snow tomorrow. <laughs> I wonder what the weather forecasts are like where you are. 
America and down in Spain. Just had a new listener from Spain join us. So that's good. Got listeners all over the world now. Yeah, let me know how your weather forecasters do. Do they get it right or do they get it wrong? Of course, the infamous one was Michael Fish, wasn't it, back in the, was it the 70s? No, there's no hurricane, no such thing as a hurricane. 1987, that was it. The massive hurricane of 87 when he said, no, not going to be a hurricane. <laughs> Next day, it was the worst hurricane in hurricane history to hit the UK. OK, take care. Uh, I shall see you all Wednesday for the midweek message. Look after yourselves. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.